Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. Advice from old pro turkey hunters like this. The turkeys typically don't like, I think, more times than not, to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It, it, it's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm-hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this holy crap they're coming teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached when I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom. I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 376, the 2022 Unicoi Custom Turkey Call Maker Show Recap, and I am your co-host, And the guy who is sitting here with the perfect smile on his face, surrounded by custom-made turkey calls. I'm your co-host, and I'm jealous. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I come up with today. For for a sick-minded turkey hunter like everyone who listens to this show in the month of August is, I, I, I think that intro by me was probably a little pornographic. And I apologize. R-rated content here, folks. It it was a little perverted. It it was a little perverted. I just cannot help myself. I am immersed. After coming out of Unicoi this past week, and I bet you I played 150 different turkey calls. Good night. I just, 
I mean, that's when you realize you have a serious problem. And the problem is not the addiction. The problem is you don't make enough money to satisfy the addiction. That's the problem. I don't think Warren Buffett makes enough money to satisfy the addiction, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, that was, that's, I cannot describe to you guys, and Cameron, I cannot describe to you. All I can say is, it's heaven on earth. If you love turkey calls, you love turkey hunting, you love to share turkey hunting stories, you love tips and, again, stories that can help you be a better turkey hunter and a better turkey caller, and a better outdoorsman, you are missing that opportunity. It's, I mean, that's just, it's heaven on earth. That's all I can say. Uh, man, it sounds like it. Well, tell us how many days we got to turkey season. Let's skip all this crap, and I just want to hear about it. That, that's the bottom line. We are 64 days, 9 hours, 59 minutes, and 23 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. Very nice. We are 72 days, 9 hours, and 37 minutes from opening day in Tennessee. So it will be kicking off soon for everybody. Enough about that. How was Unicoi? How was the turnout this year? Oh, so I walk in the door. I got there maybe 10 minutes after the doors opened Friday morning. Yeah. The place was jam-packed. Every yeah, that is awesome to hear. I know at every table except for a sporadic table here and there had call makers set up on it and those that were scattered that were empty and there might have been three in the entire room that were empty. They were sold, but the call makers got sick, had COVID, uh, you know, whatever else couldn't make it. And you had to know some of that was gonna happen. I mean Oh yeah. Especially ex- Yeah, you right now. you gotta expect the same in Nashville as well yeah it's gonna happen in nashville yeah so it's just part of the world we live in but heck yeah great job turkey hunters for showing up to an awesome event i'm i'm excited it was packed yeah it's great to hear i had several of the call makers tell me that they had a tremendous first three hours on friday morning just selling great. selling calls and and it was a really good turnout First thing I did when I walked in the door is I walked over to Mark Sharp's table and he's sitting there and I looked around, I looked at him and I said, this has got to make you smile. And, <laughs> and he smiled and he said, yeah. And I said, you know, I knew it would be back this year, you know, that the, the attendance would be greater this yeah. year than it was last year, but still it has to make you smile. So that's fantastic. Yeah, he I was, know you said it was down a little bit last year, expectedly. Yeah, but yeah, still awesome a, to hear. A heck of a show last year, but this one, I mean, man, it just you know I think being in the environment and then being in the environment with the way that it was pretty much pre-COVID, meaning mm-hmm. a bunch of people buying calls and a bunch of call makers selling calls and if that doesn't get you fired up i don't know what'll do it that's awesome yeah so you arrived thursday night and and started out friday morning there is that correct that is correct so i got there a few minutes late but i will say i went into the show without a specific target call or target call maker in mind. So I didn't go in there with a list of things that I 
wanted to buy or a list of calls I wanted to buy from a call maker. So, you know, I walk in the door, talk to Mark for three or four minutes, and I'm like, dude, I got, I, there's turkey calls to go look at. I'll see you. <laughs> Good to see you, man. Yep. Come out. <laughs> yeah, I'll see you in a couple of days. <laughs> so I wander down the first aisle in the room and chit chat with some old friends that, you know, I have known and visited with since the first year I got there. And I guess this was my fourth year to go, I think. And I stumbled across my buddy Dan Harris's table with Dan's handcrafted custom calls. So I had Dan on the show year before last because I bought a hen box from him. And I walk over there. We're chit-chatting. Dan was not there last year. He had back surgery right before the the show last year, and it, he just was mm-hmm. recovering from all of that. So, yeah. Anyway, we're chit-chatting, and I look down at the end of the table, and I see this call, and I'm like, "What? That's an odd-looking box call. It's a box with a lid on it, and one of them was open partially, and I just kept looking at it. And I'm like, "What?" that i can't figure this thing out what is that so i we're dan and i are still talking and i walk over to the around the table the other side because i was standing behind the table talking to him because i hate standing in front of these guys tables and carrying on a conversation and blocking anyone who's coming over there to spend money so i kind of you know i'll step behind the table and he and i were catching up and so anyway i'll walk back around the front side of the table to where this call was and i pick this thing up and you know me i'm always looking for something a little unique when it comes to calls but i i'm not going to say i won't do it because i have done it in the past i typically won't buy a unique call if it doesn't have a turkey in it yeah so I pick up this call and Dan says, yeah, that's something new I, I started making. And he said, I have a friend that bought a call from the NWTF show in Nashville back in 2001 or 2002. And he called me and he said, hey, I've got this call and I want another one just like it. But I can't find this guy. And I, you know, I don't know if he's passed away or what. And so... I don't know where I can get one of these, but the call that I have sounds amazing. So Dan said, well, let me get it and look at it and see if I can duplicate it for you. So the guy gives Dan this call and Dan starts, you know, he takes the call apart and gets measurements on it. And Dan made a few of these calls and he just so happened to have them there at Unicoi. And I picked one up and picked up a striker. Now this is, he calls it the perfect hen p-u-r-r-r so you know it's good f-e-c-t hen the perfect hen and i pick up this call and get a striker and the first thing i hear is i'm gonna put a little bit closer to the mic So this is... It's a dang hen. <laughs> it's a hen. There's, no, mean, doubt. That, There's no doubt. She's, she's scratching around in some Alabama pine straw right now. Yeah. Like that, that was a hen. <laughs> yeah. This thing is a box 
you know, with the call chamber hollowed out, a hole drilled into the bottom of the call, and the top of the call is a rectangle. It has a piece of slate suspended by a couple of springs on two ends of the slate, the two long ends of the slate, but it's suspended inside the call. And that creates the distance between the playing surface and the bottom of the call, which is, you know, I'm not going to claim to know all the the engineering and all the science behind why this call sounds so good, but I'm guessing that's where the throatiness and the nasal sound from this call comes from, is that deep pot between the playing surface and the bottom of the call. But this thing is insane. So I played about three or four of these things, and he had two, I think, on the table that were made of this wood, and I picked up one of them, started playing it, and I said, ooh, I got to have that. So we wrapped her up, and I brought her home. (laughs) And that's how you're playing her right now. And I am ready to whack the snot out of a turkey with this thing. I can see an old Longsbird, long-bearded gobbler getting fooled by something like that. Because that doesn't sound like a, a guy sitting against a tree to me. It's not, you don't have to play it so quiet that you're the only thing that can hear it. But it, I mean, it just, it just oozes turkey. Yeah. I, like I was excited about that. That was the first thing I bought when I got there. And I'm, in fact, I thought think it was the first turkey call that i picked up and played the first <laughs> design like, well, the first design but you know i ended up playing three or four of this style call before i picked up this type of wood and man it's just ridiculous and that's dan harris who makes that dan harris and if you guys are interested in talking to dan about one of those calls you can reach him at 903-278-6244, and I would recommend you call about one of those if you want one, like yesterday. Because number one, you're going to have to beat Cameron to it. That that won't happen, because it's going to be happening. <laughs> number two, I know he didn't make very many of those calls this year. So if you want one of those, you better jump on it and get her done. But that thing, don't. in fact, don't get one. No one needs one of those. No one needs one. You're fine without them. The turkeys are perfectly happy without you having one. I am more than happy that you don't have one. No one call Dan to get one of those. And that is not reverse psychology. I'm being dead serious. All right. So you picked up one call, bought it. Yep. So so you've... Been to two tables at this point. One was kind of a meet and greet. The next one, you actually touched a call, ended up in your pocket. Yeah. Where'd you head after that? So because of this podcast and getting to interview a lot of the the awesome turkey call makers there who have tables there, you know, I, I don't make it anywhere very quickly inside that place. So many of those guys I consider to be friends and, you know, it's stopping talking catching up with them so it literally takes me i'll tell you there's one two three aisles in this place that run lengthwise in the room so they're long aisles the first day i made it 
through two of the three aisles, and that was it. In the entire first day, because I like to stand around and talk about turkeys. You guys listening may not know that. But <laughs> I ended up all the way at the end of that aisle up against the the side wall of the exhibition room and was standing in front of a table by a well-known box call maker because I felt like I owed it to myself and to the demise of the wild turkey in the state of Alabama and every other state that I'm going to hunt in in the years to come. I felt like I owed it to them to get one of these box calls. So I picked up I went through the box calls as they were laid out in a row on Lamar Williams' table. I got to the last call, and I pick it up, and I play this call. And I said, hmm, that call sounds good. And I wanted to talk to Lamar before I took it outside and ran it, just to chit-chat with Lamar, not for any other reason. So Lamar was talking to someone, so I kept playing the call. Well, I put the call down. Bad mistake. You don't do that at Unicoi. If you find a call you like and you want to buy it, you hold that call in your hand until you give the man your money or woman, and you st- then you stick that call in your call bag or wherever you're going to put it to take it home. Yeah. But I put the call down on the table. Two people came up and played that call. And I, I was talking to a listener of the show, and we're telling turkey hunting stories because I'm, you know, also I'm waiting on Lamar to finish talking to the people he's talking to. And two people came up and played this call. And the whole time they had the call in their hand, I was sweating. Look, don't get me wrong. Every one of the calls on Lamar's table are phenomenal. The, the man is an amazing call maker. So many people in the industry know him so many of you guys listen to the show know lamar have bought lamar's calls i'm late to the show in owning a lamar williams box call yeah it was on my list that i didn't really have written down i just felt like i owed it to myself so they walk off the people who played the call walk off i picked this call back up and i did not sit it back down wised up on them Lamar stops talking to the people he was talking to, and I looked at him and I said, hey, I want to go outside and play this call right here. And he said, well, don't you want to go play three or four others? And I looked him in the eye and I just shook my head and said, nope. I said, I want to go play this call. And he said, let me let me see you run that call. So I picked the call up and I run just out of habit. I run the left side of the box call. It's just automatically where I go to. And I run a call face up. I'm right-handed hold the call in my left hand, got the lid, the handle to the lid in my right hand, and I... And he said, you know, only about 10% of the people that come through this show or that pick up any of my calls to run them who are right-handed run the left side, favor the left side of a box call. He said, I want you to run the right side of that box call. So I said, okay. I said, dang. The left side, that sounds pretty good. The right side, every time I run that lid across the side of that call, a feather comes out of it. He said, and This I, is over, you know, computer audio, so it sounds like a dang turkey, but in person, it probably takes a whole new life, you know. It does, and it's just. You know, we've talked about this before. Running these calls, and especially a Yelp uh, on yeah 
right beside a microphone does not sound good. The microphone messes it up. I don't know what well, it is. I wouldn't go that far with that call. It still well, sounds dang good. It it alters the call. How about that? Yeah, there you go. And it, and especially if you're trying to run a diaphragm right <laughs> next to a microphone, that it alters that big time. So anyway, he says, you know, I've got three more calls just like that one in in the box back here. You you want me to get those out? I said you can get them out, but I'm ninety percent sure I'm taking this call home with me. And he said, all right, let me get them. So he pulled them out. Well, I'm sorry, there were two other calls just like made of this same wood. And I said, well, I tell you what, I'm not even going to run them here. I'll just carry them outside. I said, but look, if I, if I come back with only two calls, just know I was robbed out in the parking lot and somebody stole only one call from me. <laughs> he started laughing. He said, all right, go go out there and, and bring them back. I I ran those three calls into my ear when I was running them. There was one other call that sounded identical to me to this one as I was running it. Well, of course, I had my recorder because I'm there to record interviews, too. So I pull my recorder out and my microphone and I go and I sit it on the bed of this guy's pickup truck about 20 yards away from me. And I start just cranking on these three calls and I'm playing them and playing them. I stayed out there for 30 minutes playing those calls and listening to my audio of the calls that I'd recorded on the recorder. Well, this call that I have in my hand was call number three. Call number one sounded very, very, very similar to me when I was running them. On the audio, it sounded just, I could tell just a little bit of a difference. Now, don't get me wrong. Any of those three calls will, will kill a turkey. We'll call a turkey in for you to shoot it in the face. But I wanted call one or call three. I walked back inside and I said, all right, here's call number two. I said, I've decided between this call, call number one, and this call, call number three. And I said, there's not a half a cent difference in the sound in these calls. I've played them and I've recorded them and I've listened back to the recording. And there's not much much difference in sound in these two calls. I said, I handed both of those calls to Lamar and I said, pick me a call. No matter how I play it, it's how you play it. What sounds good to you? I said, Lamar, I can kill a turkey with either one of those two calls. But if I pick one, I can't say that I have a call that was handpicked by Lamar Williams. <laughs> so good if point. you handpick one of these two calls, then I can say that and not be lying. And he just laughed and he ran both of those calls for about two minutes. And he handed that call that I'd originally picked up down at the end of the table that other two other people had picked up and put down. He handed me that call and he said, that's the one. And I there said, you go. that was Hand the first pick. one I picked up. Handpicked by Lamar Williams. It doesn't get any better than that, man. That's freaking awesome. That's what you get at Unicoi, man. That sounds amazing. I, I mean, the guy's a legend in the world of turkey call making. And I got to carry on a, a conversation. And it was just like it was just me and him there. Nobody else was even there. Yeah, you know? that's what it sounds like. Very personable. That, it, that's freaking awesome. It is. So... I leave there and, you know, visit with a whole lot of people, a lot of a lot of friends that I get to see just there. And, you know, a friend that promises to meet me up in Michigan for a hunt or in another state for a hunt, but kills turkeys up there and leaves early before I even get there. And <laughs> I know exactly who you're talking about. So... You know, good catching up with the guy who who pulled into Michigan, shot a turkey, threw it in the back, and headed out of Michigan. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) 
So it was, it, it, it's just fun being around all of that. So I worked my way through the room. Again, I played a bunch of calls and I talked to a bunch of people, a bunch of old friends. And I get around to, it's, it's about lunchtime on Friday. The room had thinned out a fair amount. Now there were still people in there buying calls, but it had gotten a little bit, a little bit more um, manageable crowd-wise. And I went over to Mark McPhail's table with Wise Old Owl Turkey Calls. I like and, that name. Yeah, that's a cool Wise name, isn't it? Yeah. And he has these little slate calls, and they're about, oh, I guess if you took one, two, three match boxes and put them side by side, that's about how big this call is. And it's got oh, a piece of compact. Yeah, and it and it's it's a box, uh, not a box call, but it's a box, and it's one, two, three. I think it's one, two, three, six pieces of wood, different pieces of wood that have been fit together and glued together and sanded down and made to look pretty. And on the outside, on one side of this box, it's got an arc cut out of one of the sides, one of the long sides of that box, and Good. on the top of that box is a piece of slate that covers almost the entire of it and he's got these little hickory corn cob strikers and it's a unique call which again i like but i want to make sure that even though it's unique i want to make sure that it can sound like this one thing that i like about there's several things i like about this call but one of the things i like about it is that arc that's cut out of the side of that call you can just take your thumb as you're playing it and go and you you can basically you want to get to that little contented hen yelp maybe a little tree yelp where she doesn't really sound like got no rasp in it you know not really awake not really a call that's turning over all the way yeah. And you can play this call a bunch of different ways. You you crank on it too. Oh yeah. So Man, that's a good cuts on it. I picked up let's just say more than one of those. I like them. They're compact. They're unique. They sound good. And then you throw on top of all of that one of the most interesting people that you can stand around and talk to, Mark McPhail. The guy. The wise old owl. Wise old owl. The guy not only makes turkey calls, but he collects turkey calls. He may have a few calls in his collection. In fact, I interviewed him Sunday, but I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. And we're just going to play his interview right now. So listen, listen awesome. in. I played his call for you guys. Listen in to Mark. And we will see you guys here in just a minute. Hey, guys. I am still here at Unicoi. And I have with me Mr. Mark McPhail. And he is with Wise Old Owl Turkey Calls. And not only is this man a turkey call maker, but he is also a collector. And he doesn't, he's, he's not collecting his own calls, 
so that tells you that tells you that he's uh, not just making them and putting them away he's making them and selling them and he's buying those old hard to find or unique calls that are out there you know you have to really have to dig for and I'm, I'm going to pick his brain a little bit about where he may find one or two of these calls. I, I don't expect him to give me his best source, but you never know. You never know. So, Mark, thank you for taking time out from the show to, to come and no chat with me. And, and you know, I, I'm not reminding you because you know, but I'm telling everybody listening that I bought three of your calls yesterday and going to give two of those to, to two of my hunting buddies and they're really unique slate calls and so just tell me a little bit about what uh, how you got into call making what interested you in doing that and then you know we'll we'll transition from there to your call collecting because i know those are kind of intertwined yes so i'll let you let you hold the mic and just that's that's good right there okay uh he said, I'm Mark McPhail from Collinsville, Mississippi, and uh, I had never made a call until 2010. I had a heart attack turkey hunting in 2008 and decided to leave my job after another year to be away from the stress, and I saw call making as a way to relieve some stress. And uh, I had a couple pieces of equipment, didn't know a thing about it, didn't ask for any advice, and just tried to be creative in my mind. And I saw a call, being a collector, I saw a call made by Jones W. Ware from Walnut Grove, Mississippi. And he's deceased now, and I'd been by his house, and he had a little bamboo call with a piece of cedar on it. It was unglued, unfinished, and uh, I just wanted one, and I got to looking at it, and I think I can make something like that. So. I started making them out, I put out about 300 the first couple of months, you know, yeah. my finish work wasn't very good. Uh, uh, but after three years, uh, I entered the Grand Nationals in 2012, 2013, that call won the Grand That's National awesome. Turkey Call Championship. And after that, I found out that Mr. E.O. Mitchell, from uh, who's in the Smithsonian Institute, uh, had made one similar, and I finally acquired one last year. Wow! But I did not know that when I, you know, you yeah. you end up copying somebody's style anyway. Exactly. But that, that's yeah. where Everybody I got the idea it. from. So yeah. I want to give EO that credit. Uh, not having any previous experience, I took a woodworking class, so I still got all my fingers. <laughs> I shook hands with several people here this weekend. It didn't. Absolutely. It was obvious when you shook hands. It's a Absolutely. dangerous little sport, a hobby. Uh, and I entered call competitions for 2012 through, through 19. I sort of got burnt out on it and, and uh, felt like I was doing it myself. And I was fortunate. I had won 58 ribbons, but, or 56, 58, but they were all, you know, one of the few first places in there. One more grand national. But uh, it, it gave you a name and you create this camaraderie among all the makers. You get to meet them at the grand nationals. Then we started Unicola. Yeah. And man, I'm telling you, this is the love of my life coming yeah, up here. It is, and in the blast. It's, it's like family. It, it is. It really yeah. is. So, yeah. And I don't really get out there and market my calls. Uh, I didn't sell a one this year. I just held them for Unicor. And I do a good bit for local charities. Uh, yeah. Joni and Friends, uh, uh, Junior Auxiliary, Boy Scouts, uh, just whoever calls in the local community. Yeah. I do that and some awesome. NWTF. But, 
Uh, so I'm not in it for the money. And most people aren't because there's not any money in it. People need to realize that. You're right. Really not. You're right. Not in the custom. No, sir. Yeah. The, the mass production, if you want to ship it all over to China, yes, sir. you might be able to make a dollar doing that, yes, but that's sir. no fun. I will say in the state of Mississippi, uh, if I go out west collecting, which we're going to talk about collection, if I go out west looking, I'm going to find Primos mm -hmm. and Pittman. Yeah. And it's Mississippi proud we have these people who have mass produced and are dominant in the market. Yep, done very well. Toxie Hayes, Mossy Oak, those, and those people. Yeah. All in the Hall of Fame, Mississippi Sportsman Museum, I walked Mississippi Sportsman's Heritage Museum in Leland, Mississippi. I put in a plug for them where we preserve all of that. Yeah. And we have about, oh, I don't know, 60, 80 call makers displayed up there. I'm in charge of putting those up there. That's Mississippi awesome. call makers. Yeah. That's awesome, and and you know you you have those guys like Pittman and the Primos, and you know just soft of the earth, just great guys all yes, the way sir. around. I mean, just super super nice guys. But you got them in Mississippi, but you also got a, a rich history of you know small time call maker and and you know that that probably didn't garner too much of a following in his day and now there's a lot of interest in him because those calls are rare yes, and, and unique and that kind of thing and that's really your forte is collecting yes, Mississippi calls from Mississippi call makers. That's what I felt I needed to uh, acknowledge and show last night at our little forum. Uh, had so many I wanted to bring. I had one that had on there uh, Prince Buckaloo born in 1894 Choctaw County, Alabama wow. and he was a legend in Clark County and his hunting partner was Glade Hamburg, and uh, I got my first turkey I ever called up was with Glade Hamburg. Call. It's really? not signed, but I know who made it. I paid three dollars for it, That's and awesome. it's priceless. That's all awesome. priceless. Yeah. So you concentrate on mainly on Mississippi call makers, but is there a style call that that draws your eyes? Is it just anything? No, sir. I collect anything. I, I sort of slow down on pot calls because you have to keep up with the striker, and a lot of people don't sign the striker, and they're hard to display. And yeah. I, I buy them, but uh, I don't collect them like I used to. Uh, box calls was always my favorite, and it's not just Mississippi calls. I've traveled over the United States. I've right. gone on trips to Pennsylvania, New York, Wisconsin, anywhere I go to Nebraska. And Missouri, Eminence, Missouri, and yeah. to go to these call makers' houses. And how I did that was took Earl Mickle's three books that he wrote, the man who really is responsible for call collecting, reproduced or copied each page and put them in state order alphabetically by call makers. So when I went to that state, I knew exactly where the call makers lived, and I would call or knock on their door and develop relationships. A lot of those are now deceased, but I got yeah. great memories. And yeah. So I, I collect any and everywhere. And some of those that don't have a lot of value are really more special to me. They sure. Really yeah. Who, and, and we'll do it this way, out of the ones who are deceased, because that, that way we can't hurt anybody's feelings. Right. Who was the biggest character out of all those, would you say, that you, that you met? Uh, the one that sticks in my mind and my wife's mind, and I mentioned it this forum last night, we visited a man who's deceased now. His name was uh, Homer Crooks. Uh, and Homer was in Wartsburg, Tennessee. And uh, he was a Methodist preacher. 
And my wife said she saw the glory of God when we talked to him. We stayed at his house for half a day and invited us to spend the night. He carried us to the basement. And he was in his low 90s then. Yeah. And uh, it, that's something pretty. I, I bought like 10 of these calls, about $500. And he blessed it because he was able to buy a new refrigerator. Oh, and that just awesome. sticks in my mind, Man. you know. And I, I've, I've looked up where he's buried. I want to visit his grave site one day. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. That's awesome. Do you, what would you say out of the calls that you've collected, what, and this may be really hard to answer or may be really easy, what is the one that's the most special to you? It's, yeah, there are so many. Uh, we get back to Mississippi callmakers. I've got a good friend, Ford Mangum in uh, Morton, Mississippi, no longer makes calls. He's 94 this coming year. and. I must have 150 fields, and they are wow. outstanding calls. Everything wow. he ever made. Yeah. Uh, I guess you know, uh, value-wise, uh, the Ira Chisholm, uh, Raymond Chisholm calls. Ira Chisholm, his wife, they made them in uh, Laurel, Mississippi. They hand carved them. And Mr. Chisholm died in uh, 1979. Mm-hmm. And his wife took over the business, but uh, awesome. I got, I'm fortunate to have 12 of those, and they are outstanding calls. Yeah, number of Ben Lee calls, you know. Yeah, yeah. He was, uh, he, was he was a pretty good turkey hunter. Yes, sir. He, learned, he he was. He could make a call too. Yes, he? sir. Of course, his uncle made most of them. Uh, I'm Did trying, he really? Yeah, he he lives in Perkinson, Mississippi, and I have visited him, and I can't think of his first name, but. Uh, Oh, he made. He was the man in the back of the shop making most of How about that? Yes. I, I never knew that. Yeah, and actually, uh, Ben was born in Starkville, Mississippi. Most people don't know okay, that. I didn't know that either. No, Starkville, Mississippi. Okay. All right. Sure was. That, that's pretty neat. Well, you had a, a couple of pretty unique trough calls last night that uh, were from Mississippi call makers, mm-hmm. and, and one of them had a striker that was about a foot and a half long. Uh, that was the Raymond Chisholm. That was Chisholm. That was Chisholm. Okay. And it had holes in both ends of the corn cob, yeah. and the strikers were uh, pointed on both ends, had a end, and you could just plug it in on either end and play the call. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yes. That, that, that's that's pretty sharp. That was that was neat. And you put that, that striker in there. <laughs> Put that striker together, and I thought, my gosh, how does somebody carry that around with him? He, oh, he, <laughs> That's a you, you cannot find those calls. People will not sell them. I don't oh, know. I can it, imagine. It, it, a lot of people have them in around Jones County, Mississippi, but no, yeah. they pass them down. And it sounds phenomenal, too. It is. I mean, it, it's yes. a really good-sounding call. Mm-hmm. And Ben Lee, I think, worked for him, and that's where he got the idea of his he little really trough call. Yes. Okay. okay. And that's the reason I got interested in trough calls. You know, I, that's my specialty. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's awesome. So, if somebody wants to get in touch with you to buy one of your calls or just talk to you about call collecting, because I know you're a big a big fan of it, how would somebody get in touch with you to, to do anything? I'm on Facebook, but my number, uh, cell number is 601-938-5357. And uh, I got people message me from all over the country. That's why I love it. When they message me, can you tell us something about this call? Oh, yeah. Because I don't know everything. And people help me out across the country. Right. And I, I'm, I'm humble about it, but I do have some knowledge, and I'm willing to share it with anybody. Had a man came up today. Had his his grandfather had a call. It was a sure shot out of Grove, Texas, and meant in the box. And he said, uh-huh. what do you know about this call? And I was able to look it up. And last night, a, a young gentleman who I met here in 2017, I see him every year. It started describing the call. We finally figured out it was a Loman, and I'm going to message him the information on yeah. it. It was made in Kansas City before they moved to Neosho, Nebraska. 
Okay. I'm near so uh, Missouri, excuse me. Yeah. So I love that. I just love the learning and. Yeah, a lot of history. It is goes into all that. You it know? does. It, it's uh, and it, this was brought up several times last night that you know those those old the vast majority of those old time call makers were making making calls to sound good to call in turkeys and kill turkeys. Yes, sir. And they weren't making the most beautiful calls, but they were extremely functional, the ones that were still mm -hmm. around and, and, and sound good. And so, yeah, that's uh, it, it, it's neat. I heard one of these, a couple of these old call makers, and I, I, I knew them, but I don't know their hunting, uh, you know, what they did, but they said the only seasons they knew was salt and pepper. <laughs> So they were trying to bring game home for the table. Absolutely. I like that. <laughs> I may have to borrow that sometime. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is too funny. So, to, and, and you can say no to this if you want, because there's going to be a bunch of people to hear this, but you mentioned last night roughly the number of calls that you have in your collection right yes, now. And you want to share that? I don't mind. I got 5,150, but I bought a few here this time. I toned it down this time. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, I got a lot of, some calls I'll have 30 of or 40 of. There's certain styles I like, and, but like a Penswood trumpet. Uh, they made thousands of them, but I, I've been to the plant in Delmont, Pennsylvania, yeah. and uh, met the nephews that ran it to it closed. And mm -hmm. I, if I see one, the price is right, I'm going to buy it. Yeah. So uh, I got a bunch, bunches of the same call. That doesn't bother me. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And I don't have to have the high, high end for day. It's right. more sentimental to me. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, fantastic. Well, Mark, thank you for your time. I, it's been great chatting with you and getting to know you, and I, I'm looking forward to killing some turkeys with the call I bought from you. Well, I, I appreciate it so and, much. I and I know the, the guys I'm going to give those to are going to slay some turkeys with them as well. Well. And so... Uh, wish you a lot of luck this season, and if we can do anything for you, let us know. Well, I'll make one comment. I don't do a lot of calls to sell, but I, I, I've never seen but one of mine on eBay. I'm proud of that fact. Well, there you go. So I think people like you that get them, because they specially made a different, a little odd and yeah. different, people keep them. So I'm, I'm, that's the part I'm proud about my call making. Well, that that was one thing that turned me on to it. I, I'm, you would say I'm a collector. Yes. But I buy calls that are unique, and I buy calls to hunt with. I have one call that's on a shelf that I won't take out, and it's it was, you'll know exactly, but it's a, a, a well, let's just say he, he lived in Homewood, Alabama and moved to Liberty, Mississippi. And I've got one of the Edgewood Boulevard calls. Oh, Mr. Lynch. That was found inside the wall of that house that he lived in in Edgewood Boulevard. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it was given to me by the person who was remodeling the house who found the call wow. about 15 years ago and said, hey, I want you to have this. And I said, I don't know how much this call's worth, but it's worth some money. And I pulled up on eBay and one had sold for six or seven hundred bucks at that point in time. And I said, this call is worth money. I said, it, it, it's not, when I say it's worth some money, I don't mean it's worth like fifty, hundred bucks. I mean, mm -hmm. this call is worth money. And are you sure you don't want it? And he said, oh, I want you to have it. I said, do you want me to sell it 
and give you the money. No, I want you to have it. Do you want me to pay you for it? No, I want you to have it. And so that call sitting on the shelf at, at my office and it won't go out. But that, Special so memories. I don't call that a collection because that's the only one that's displayed. The rest of them are in a box and they go hunting with it. Yes, sir. But you would probably say I'm a collector because I have more than one. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> you are a collector and, and you know it goes back to Alan Jenkins Liberty Mississippi he bought Mr. Lynch's company out in like 1969 moved to Liberty and stayed there to 1991 or yeah. so before he moved to Georgia but yeah. so that's another rich history and I think Mr. Lynch had some ties into Mississippi Paul, yeah yeah from early on in his life yeah yeah I think he's family from there I think was I, I don't. I can't recall that historical uh, fact right now. I, I, but they, there was a tie-in there, and yeah. uh, I need to dig into that. I will be looking for that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, thank you again. It's been a pleasure getting to know you this this week and and chatting with you. And um, like I said, I'm excited about killing a turkey with your call and sending you a picture of it this spring. I'm excited to look at your future collection, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you addicted and you just don't know it. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Thank you, Mark. Thank you so much. All right. God bless. Thank you. 5,150 turkey calls in his collection. That's unbelievable. 5,150 turkey calls in his collection. That's, you put, uh, that's insane. Does it's he not, have a storage bin? Well, I mean, what it, in the it's, world? It's not insane. Because when I say it like that, it kind of makes it sound like I'm saying Mark's insane, which he's totally is not. <laughs> it's an insane he number. Is, it's crazy. And I'm just totally jealous. I, you know, when, and maybe some of you guys were that guy that had the coolest toys when, when you were growing up and all the kids in the neighborhood wanted to come to your house to play. I want to go to Mark's <laughs> house and play. That's awesome. Yeah. Great guy. I mean, just really, really good guy. Look, I I didn't give Lamar's number out, which I'll do in just a minute. We'll go back and, and I'll give that out. But I'm going to give Mark's number to you guys if you want to call and, and talk turkey call collecting. If you've got a rare call that you just want to share with him or you don't know anything about it, he loves this stuff. He'll try to help you figure out something about that call. You never know. Of them. He's bound to know a thing or two about calls. Yes, absolutely. And you never know. He may want to buy it from you. I'm not saying he will, but he might. But give Mark a call if you guys are interested in buying a call from him. I'm telling you, these little boxes that he has, and I don't even know what he calls them, but they are super cool. Let me see if there's a name on this. There's not, but it says number 3-1-1-2022. So number three is one of the more than one calls from him that I bought. <laughs> but you guys can reach Mark MacPhil at 601-938-5357 if you want to check out some of his calls. And I think he said in the interview that he's got a Facebook page, but I'm telling you, if you just go on Facebook to look at any of his stuff or communicate with him that way, you're missing out on a treat. You really need to call and chat with Mark. He just, somebody you, you won't regret having a conversation with, I can tell you that. And yeah, sounds like it. At 5,000 calls, if I had a call in my collection that I didn't know much about, he'd be a guy I'd be calling. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt about it. So look, I did, and I, I didn't do it intentionally. Like I said, I, 
most of you guys know Lamar Williams or know of Lamar Williams. You can probably find Lamar Williams pretty quickly, but his number, phone number is 904-964-5691. If you guys want a what's sure to be a collector's item turkey call to add to your collection, a Lamar Williams box call is one you got to have. There's no yeah. no question about it. So, yeah. or, or to call up and kill turkeys, not just collect. <laughs> I will tell you that's why I have one. That yeah. box right there, I'm telling you, I opened the lid up and one tried to fly out and I had to shut the lid back on it real quick. And every time I run that lid across there, a feather comes out. So yeah. she's trying to get out of there. There is no doubt about it. No doubt about it. So I was very, very well behaved this year. I'm not going to say I stayed under budget in <laughs> buying calls, but I didn't buy a bunch of calls. So I was excited about that. I got you quality calls, though. I did. There, well, that's all I've ever gotten from there are quality calls. I can tell you, it's it's really crazy. So that was pretty much it on Saturday. Saturday night was like icing. I'm sorry, that was not Saturday. That was Friday. So that pretty much wrapped the show up for me on Friday. Friday night was the icing on the cake because Mark Sharp had put together a panel of call collectors oh, and yeah and of course they brought some of their collectibles and that was really cool being able to pick up some of these calls made in 1900 wow and to play them wow was a treat i a bet real That's treat awesome. so that was a heck of a lot of fun i'm gonna play just a very short clip from this and I, the reason I recorded the, the entire seminar, but I am not going to play this seminar for you guys because you need to see the video of it. And oh, nice. yeah, Mark is going to be selling DVDs that were recorded by my buddy, Josh Painter. He did all the, does all the video work for Mark. And Mark's going to be selling these DVDs that he recorded of not just this seminar, but all of the seminars there. Mark Prudham was there. Our buddy Larry Prophet was there doing seminars. There were some really great speakers who gave, who put on seminars at this over the past, you know, the, the two-day show. So I just want to pay, play just a little bit of a clip. I want to tease you guys, get you interested in this, because if you're interested in call collecting, you're going to want to buy the DVD that Mark Sharp puts out when it's done. I don't know when it'll be done, but I will let you guys know. But I'm just going to go ahead and play a little clip of that seminar right now. I'm Dave Sorrentioni uh, from Claremont, Georgia. I've been coming to Unicoi since uh, 1985. And uh, what got me started collecting calls is when I got a hold of Earl's first book. And I thought I was going to buy a call from everybody in the book. Uh-huh. <laughs> or had the funds or the time to do it. So uh, I started buying a few calls and went to a few conventions and came here and had a show here. I bought a lot of calls here. I bought some calls at the convention. And I started with box calls. Then I moved to decorative calls. And then uh, I got hooked on the trumpet grace. And I decided once I understood about the call makers that were making them and 
what was going on. I had help from other collectors giving me advice, and I started buying their calls. And then uh, the addiction hit me with the elephant teeth, and I started having trump calls made out of iron. And the guys have blessed me. I've got some of the most wonderful calls in the world and some of the greatest friends I've ever made. And you know, I just like sharing what I got with everybody. Yeah, we'll we'll have to release when that DVD comes out for everybody because that's going to be a, a want to have for sure. A lot of really cool stuff there, and I would just wish that you guys had been there to be able to look at some of those calls or even pick up some of those calls and play them. Just the history. I mean, it's just like when you pick one up, you can just feel the history. You know, somebody sitting against a oak tree with that call in their hand. 110 years ago calling a turkey in so they'd have something to eat not so they'd be able to talk about it on a podcast uh, so yeah. they would have something to eat that's so cool so just i mean really awesome stuff awesome stuff so that was friday and saturday rolls around and there's the threat of severe weather to, to roll in at some point saturday afternoon all my days are mixed up Saturday afternoon to Saturday night, overnight into Sunday, they were expecting five to seven inches of snow in North Georgia. So a lot of these guys, these call makers travel six, four, six, eight hours to get there. And some of them even further than that. Like Dan Harris lives in Texarkana, Texas. Wow. That's a haul to North Georgia. So the room started to thin out about late morning, right around lunchtime Saturday. So there were a few people I didn't get a chance to interview that I wanted to interview. But I, again, you guys, I've said it twice already, I like unique calls. And I also like trumpets. So I stumbled across a table while I was there with a very talented call maker, Anthony Ellis. And he makes trumpet calls. And he's made, put a little twist, literally, to a trumpet call. <laughs> so, wood is twisted? Well, you just have to listen into this, and then you'll like what he has to say about this. It's, it's one of those things that when you see it, you're like, why didn't somebody think of this before? It's brilliant. <sighs> it's brilliant. So, listen in to my interview with Anthony, and... If you want a beautiful trumpet call and one that sounds amazing, call Anthony Ellis and get on his list and get you a call. But let's listen to this interview right now. Hey, everybody. I'm here at Unicoi in one of my favorite places on earth to be this time of year with, oh gosh, probably 70 custom call makers in there. And, you know, you you get a lot of turkey calling, a lot of lots of I should say turkey calls being made and can be a little bit overwhelming but every once in a while you stumble across a table that kind of catches your eye and you know there's there's some different things there somebody's taken a a long old time long lasting tried and true call and made some improvements to it and that kind of thing and you know you you pick those kind of calls up and play them and 
really you can kind of get a feel and, and understand by talking to the call maker and that's another thing that's great about Unicoi is all these call makers are here and are happy to share their story with you and talk to you and give you guidance and help you run the call that they make the right way because they make them they know how to run them the right way and can give guidance and and help you along with that and so anyway there was a a call that caught my eye well, actually a lot of them but there this particular call caught my eye it's just a little bit different design on a, a tried and true trumpet call that's been around for ages and ages and ages and so I've got with me Anthony Ellis and he's with AGE Turkey Calls and I'm gonna let him tell us a little bit about the, his new design on the trumpet and also just tell us a little bit about himself and when you know how long he's been making calls and why trumpets and so on and so forth so I'm throwing a lot out there and he's looking like he's trying to process it all right now but I'm gonna hand the mic over to him and I'll, I'll keep picking at him as, as he goes along so first of all Anthony just tell us uh, tell us where you're out of and and what got you really kind of zoomed in or zoned in on on trumpets thanks Andy I uh, uh, I'm out of Chatsworth Georgia We're about two hours from here uh, <clears throat> I started back in 2015 making uh, trumpet calls I've been turkey hunting about about 16 years I started in my in my 20s and uh, and went through all the the different turkey calls that you you do and you go to Walmart and you you stock up you yeah. carry 35 calls and and over time you whittle those down and uh, it seems like it, it came down to you know maybe a, a box call and a trumpet and uh, I had a buddy that uh, made pot calls and and he invited me over to to try to wanted me to turn a call which I told him I didn't care nothing about making a turkey calls I, I just like to kill them yeah and uh, and I tinkered with his lathe and made a striker but a light bulb went off in my head and I'm like you know, all these trumpet guys get a pretty pretty penny for some of their trumpet calls yeah. so I'll just try to make my own and I just wanted to try to take a bird with a, a call I'd, I'd made made yeah and that's what got that's what got it started yeah it went from there so you, yeah you made one you killed a bird yeah yeah killed another one killed another one yeah. and all of a sudden your buddies start saying hey make me one that's, make that's me it one. that's it made one for my uncle and my cousin uh -huh. and then then uh, somebody wants to buy one then another then another and it kind of snowballed from there yeah but uh, i really enjoy i enjoy doing it that's cool that's cool so uh, you are probably the only person i've ever talked to who said i picked up two different kinds of call one was a trumpet and one was a box and i chose a trumpet uh, <laughs> you know because me when I started hunting you know I would go to to the NWTF banquet the local chapter banquet or or you know when I started going to national and I would see these the old timers would be walking around they'd be wearing a trumpet around their neck and I'd always look at that and it'd, it'd be kind of like they were wearing a cobra around their neck to me <laughs> because it, you know it just there's not much to them but it just looks intimidating and then when you actually put one in your mouth and you try to work it without knowing how to do it, it it's intimidating. Yeah, yeah. You know, we yeah. don't, none of us want to look like a fool in front of somebody else, especially an experienced turkey hunter. Right. But, uh, you know, we don't need to talk about too much about trumpets in the respect that, you know, I, I think the word's gotten out there, you know, with Dave, you know, 
hunting with trumpets now and and promoting all that so they're really you know have taken off but yeah i can't imagine looking at a trumpet as and saying that's the call i'm going to buy Right, and I don't know right. any other calls. I'm going to buy that, and I'm going to learn how to turkey hunt and call well, turkeys with well, that. I tell you, the first air-operated air, air call I got was just a wing bone, and I thought it sounded terrible. You know, <laughs> I took it hunting, and uh, I think I called in a coyote. And I thought, well, maybe I'll sound, I'll sound like a dog at least, you know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but a few years later, I got my first trumpet and, and, and played, learned to play. It took a year or two to get comfortable with it. Well, I can remember the the time I I was convinced my, my uncle and I were hunting a pretty heavy, uh, heavy uh, hunted uh, management area yeah. close to where we hunt, and uh, it was during the week. Usually we'll, we'll hike and get away from the people, but well, we were literally literally on the pavement where it gets the most pressure, and that was when I you know you had twenty five calls in your vest, and we went through everything, and, and I would just I just started the trumpet call, and I hit that trumpet, and five birds gobbled. Wow. And then, you know, it wasn't long. A few minutes later, we had a bird at 35 yards that I missed. But wow. okay. <laughs> but that, that convinced me, you know. And, yeah. and they seem to be a pretty effective call. Of course, all calls are effective on, you know, different days. Right. But yeah, different days and different turkeys. Yeah. Different circumstances, yeah. for sure. So you you make beautiful trumpet calls. Thank you. And, and you know, the traditional design is there. You know, you got the the bell, you got the the mouthpiece, and to help me out with the centerpiece of it. Yeah, the feral. Feral, yeah, thank you. Yeah. And traditional trumpet, and absolutely beautiful, very well made, sound great. If I can call on one and it sounds good, it it's a great call. <laughs> so, yeah, I can take a great call and make it sound good. That's how good I am with a trumpet. But what caught my eyes you got something out there that is really unique and you know these the mouthpieces on these trumpets they all have lip stops on them just so we can go back to that same spot time and time and time and time and time and time again and know that we got the right depth or the right amount of that call inside our mouth right so what you've done is you've customized that lip stop you use that the hamster and that wheel in your head and came up with a better design so tell us a little bit about what what you got what what got it started what the guys will lose lip stops and like i said they'll move on you uh, over Dry time but yeah over time they'll wear out and i and i just wanted to get a way to to fix that in place to where it was permanent and, and you use a little better materials of wood metal whatever to make it look nicer of course yeah. that doesn't looks doesn't kill a turkey but but if it's playing like it should that 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 does right yeah that's that's the kind was kind of the motivation yeah to, to come up with that so you've got a a threaded you've got a threaded mouthpiece yeah, it, yeah, it's threaded, threaded for a lip stop, yeah. with, with a, a lock nut that once you, once you fine tune where you want it, you, you tighten that lock nut and it locks it down into place. Yeah, I mean it, it's the most simple design, <laughs> and it's not like you really, you you copied the mechanical parts of stuff that, that just have been around for years right right put it on a turkey call and right. it's 
ingenious. Right. And, and something else, too. A lot of guys will they'll make a fancy lip stop you know, out of wood, and they always send a rubber one with it. That way you don't lose your fancy one while you're hunting. Right. I thought it would be nice if you could leave your nice one on the call, you know, all the time. Yeah. So that, that was yeah. another another motivation with it also. Yeah. yeah. So you've got one around your neck right now that I'm, I'm trying to distract you enough to take from you, but <laughs> you're, you're bigger than I am and, prob- and younger and I'm sure much faster. So I'm, well, I don't I know, know how far I'm going to get with it. But run, run this call for me. Let me hold this mic and, and run this call. And tell tell us before you do run it. Tell us what what this one's made of. And I know they can't see it. But yeah, this one is uh, African blackwood, and the uh, the mouthpiece is it's uh, it's solid aluminum. Which that, that that's just a sleeve over the aluminum. It's, right. It's solid metal all the way down into there, and it's got uh, uh, Damascus steel trim on it. So the ferrule and the mouthpiece are the same material. Yes. Yeah. Okay. This same steel they make knives out of. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That's a good sounding call and a dang good looking call too. <laughs> so you said looks won't kill one, but that the looks of that call will probably bring them in an extra yard. <laughs> well, it'll make you feel better about it. Anyway. There you yeah. go. There you go. It'll look better in the pictures. Yeah, there was a point when I was making them. I, I was at a point to where I can either I can crank these things out and just make them average yeah. or spend a little more time and make them look nice. And I like to put a little time in and make them look a little better. But. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, I mean, the craftsmanship and the quality of the call stands out and speaks for itself. And then, you know, you can hear it in the sound as well. And so it's a, a great-looking call. You know, Anthony's a great call maker. You got this call on a lanyard that you have made yourself. And so leather lanyard and, you know, it's a braided leather. It's, I mean, despite... The ugliest thing about this call is the fact that he's wearing it. <laughs> That's well said. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't hurt your feelings either, hey, does hey, it? The call makes the man. <laughs> so, for anybody that's interested in, in looking at, at some of your calls, you have a Facebook page that you would point them to? What? Yes, I have a Facebook, AG, uh, AGE Trumpets. And I also have a website, AGETrumpets.com. Okay. And I've got lots of pictures, a few videos, and yeah. Okay. And you do you have a waiting list as well for somebody? It, for it, it's about two years. Okay. Uh, on the wait, and uh, I'm, of course I'm here at Unicoi every year. I bring a few calls. Uh, don't tell anybody that. <laughs> yeah, don't. I'm trying to talk them into coming, but I, I don't want them to buy calls when they get here. <laughs> That's hard to do here. <laughs> it, it darn sure is. Yeah. Yeah. This is where a man come come sell calls and then lose all his money for yeah. walking around and spending yeah. it. So. Yeah. I, I was over at somebody's table today running a call and chatting with him, and I stood over there for probably 30 minutes, and I think I ran about 10 calls. Just talking and running calls, and I put the calls down. I said, well, it was great talking to you, and I turned around and walked off, and he came up to me a few minutes later, and he said, I thought you were going to buy that call. <laughs> and I said, 
uh, here's my problem. I want one of each kind of call from every single call maker in there, and I don't have the money, and I don't have the place to store them all. You know, I, I just, you know, and and the calls that I bought, I can't say are better than anybody else's because they're all outstanding. Oh, yeah. It's are. just, that's a, that's you know, something's a little bit unique, like you got with your with your threaded mouthpiece on the on the trumpets, or you know, a, a different style per pot. You know, just things like yeah. that are really what catch my that's that's what drives me right but not necessarily what drives everybody else in there so yeah, i know the first year I, I had a table at the show my wife asked you know hadn't you sell a lot yeah i sold a few would you make any money i'm like well that made a little bit you know and she she's doing the math <laughs> yeah and she tells you you I, didn't make i didn't show her those bag of calls i came <laughs> with yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's that's yeah. definitely going in the negative there for sure. <laughs> so, other than than Facebook and website, how can somebody get in touch with you if they want to to actually talk to you oh, about yeah, what uh, you got going? Oh yeah, my on? phone is seven zero six two six four zero five two four. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, listen, guys, go check out Anthony's calls. I mean, it's a quality call. They're beautiful, sound good. Uh, the mouthpiece has always been really about the only downside to the trumpets you know they they get moved they do dry rot they fall off while you're in the woods whatever else and this thing being able to lock this mouthpiece down is is huge and it got a lot of it has gotten a lot of attention over the the course of the two-day show and a lot of people came by to to tell you how smart a design that was and you know, I think you're going to see some people trying to copy you here before too long. So hopefully that patent comes in soon. Yeah, maybe it will, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, give give Anthony a call you, and just salt of the earth, great guy all the way around. So you'll enjoy talking to him or just go on his website and order something and get on the list because, I mean, two years sounds like a lot, but we all know it flies by. So get on that list and, and get you one of his calls. So. Anthony, thank you, man. It's, it's I've enjoyed chatting with you over the the course of the two day show and getting to learn a little bit more about you and your and your calls and getting to meet your daughter and uh, good luck to you all this turkey season. Thank you, Andy. I enjoyed it as well. All right, buddy. That is neat. That's one of those things you stand back and you go, why didn't I think of that? Yeah. So is it a a wooden lip stop that twists up and down? They're made. I'm not going to say they're made out of wood. The ones I saw were made out of metal. They were made out of. But they're they're not a perishable, I guess, like rubber no, stop. Like no, a, not rubber. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so you know, made of ebony. They're made of metal. I mean, just they're decorative and they complement the call. Whereas the vast majority of trumpets that you see, the lip stop is some hideous piece of rubber put on a beautiful piece of artwork that also serves as a musical instrument wow but this is not like that oh not only is it beautiful it's functional <laughs> and being able to lock it into place once you find that sweet spot where you want that call to rest on your lip yeah it's genius it's gonna stay right there it's genius that is genius absolute genius so that's I, cool i 
uh, I wanted a call at Anthony's table so badly, and I didn't buy it. Um, it's one of those things to where, you know, I kind of felt like if I bought it, I'd have buyer's remorse, and if I didn't buy it, I would have non-buyer's remorse. And I do. I have non-buyer's remorse. But he makes some fabulous, fabulous trumpet calls. So I highly recommend reaching out to Anthony and getting on his list and letting him make you make you one the way that you want it made. And yeah, you're not going to be disappointed with that. So that was awesome. Now, after I interviewed Anthony, we went back into the exhibition room and I mean, it's really thinned out now. So, you know, I've got this list of people that I want to interview and all of a sudden they gone, but I stumble across a table in there and this guy, another true craftsman you know unicoi is about custom turkey calls and the makers of those calls but there's also other quality craftsmen there and i ran into will dutton who owns will dutton bladesmith now the name of the company probably explains exactly what he does he makes really awesome fixed blade knives and so very cool yeah, he's got this knife. It's, oh shoot, probably five to six inches long, fixed blade, got a sheath. And he's a dang good leather maker as well because he makes the sheaths that these knives go in. And this thing, he calls it his turkey pack knife because it it is a perfect turkey pack knife. Perfect size, not heavy, razor sharp. And on the blade of those, he's got turkey feet stamped onto them it's they're cool looking but you know everyone listens to this podcast hunts everyone listens to this podcast owns at least one knife if you want a collectible knife and you want one that's functional one that you're you'd be glad to take out and use to clean turkeys with or deer or whatever you want to clean you want to check out Will's knives, but I grabbed him. We went outside, did a little interview. We talked about sharpening as well. And so let's listen to Will and we'll be back here in just a minute. Hey everybody, I am here with Will Dutton, with Will Dutton Bladesmith. And well, I think the name of the company gives away what you do. Yeah, uh so. <laughs> so, Will's a knife maker. In case you guys didn't figure that out, and he makes some some beautiful knives. Makes them out of antler. He's got some wooden handle knives as well, and he's got all different kinds of, of blades on them, different steels, and so on and so forth. So, Will, first of all, tell tell everybody where you're from and how did you get into knife making. Okay, I'm Will Dutton. Uh, I got into knife making just like most boys. We like sharp stuff. And uh, I went to a uh, knife show with a buddy of mine. And we both live in Cumming, Georgia. And uh, we went to the Blade Show, which is the largest knife show in the world. And uh, there's just knife makers in there with custom knives. You, You just can't believe they just hundreds of them in there and uh, after walking around in there all day I thought if they can make a knife I can so I met a guy while I was down there and uh, he was gracious enough to let me come to his shop for many many days and spend many hours watching him as he made a knife as he 
cut it out from bar stock and ground it to a finished knife from uh, putting handles on it, sharpening it, the whole process. And uh, so one day I decided, well, it's time if I'm going to try it to, to go for it. So I went to a knife supply place. It was Pop's Knife Supply. James Poplin owned it at the time. And uh, I went down there and told him who I was and my interest. And uh, he said, okay. And uh, I bought a belt grinder and some steel, some handle material, some glue, some pen stock, and just what, everything I needed to start with. And I got a bunch of stuff up, and uh, he's a good enough guy. He said, okay, you've got enough stuff to see if you can make a knife. So I went home, and uh, sure enough, I, I made a knife, and uh, I carried it back to him and showed him. and. Of course, it being one of my first knives, he pointed out all the flaws to me that that I didn't see because I didn't have the experience. Yeah. And it just grew from there. And uh, I started doing some shows, some knife shows. And then I got uh, some, uh, we're doing a show, and there's a bunch of Georgia Knife Maker Guild people there and asked me if I wanted to get Knife Maker's Guild. And I told them, sure. So they juried my knives in. And, I've been a voting member of the Knife Makers Guild for, I don't know, probably since 07 or 08. And, uh, and I was doing stock removal with stainless steel knives at the time. And we do a hammer in in uh, Blairsville, Georgia at Track Rock Campground. And all these guys forge knives. and. Uh, I met a guy up there and he was always kidding me, why is your knife so shiny, why are they so heavy, why are they stainless steel, and he had just ribbing me about all this stuff and he got me interested in forging. So I stopped making stainless steel knives and started forging. And now 90% of all I do is forge knives and make them out of high carbon steel and it's mostly 1084 or 8670 high carbon and they're all hidden things with sandbar stag antlers and I do all the work on the knife and I make all my own sheaths and I've been doing this uh, I actually started in 06 and I've been forging probably for about 12 maybe 13 years and I love it I don't take all the forge scale off. If you look at my knives, it, they're not the part of the blade's shiny, hand sanded, and the rest of it is forge scale from being in the forge. And that's my style. That's what I like. Yeah. It looks forged. It's just a, a unique look to me. It separates me from most of the other custom knife makers. Yeah. So... It, that's pretty much where we're at. It's unique and they're really pretty. And every single one of them is different. They're that's, all different. They all they're the same they're similar. And, and the, you know, they're just like you, you can go to a call maker, turkey call maker's table, and he can have 15 box calls out there, all made from the same wood, but every single one of them is different. They're all exactly. cut to the same template. They're all because the wood's different. The they're wood's all different. different. You know, and. and you know they're hand tuning those calls so every single one of them is different 
and every single one of your your steel blades over there are different because they got a different amount of scale, a different you know. It's just one of it's the difference, and, and I told a friend of mine, Russell Beard, the difference between what he does when he is making turkey calls and the difference in what I do. If I do everything right, my knife will be spot on. He can do everything right, and the call won't play. That's true. So That's true. he's got a lot of confusing stuff going on. And mine is not so confusing. Mine's pretty much straightforward. If you do everything right, it'll be right. Yeah, yeah. I, I never thought about that, but that's, that's dead on, yeah. One other big difference in, in what you do and what he does is you can kill a turkey with your product. I can kill a turkey, but he can call it in for me. He can call it in for you. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, tell me a little bit about your different style knives and you all yours are fixed blade but you you brought one out here and and it's wooden handle knife and tell me tell me a little bit about this particular knife here that's a little knife that i came up with uh a couple of years ago i think uh a boy asked me why don't you make a little knife that we can just in a sheath that we can just throw in our pack and take it turkey hunting and you're just something you can leave in there so I came up with this little knife and it's it's pretty small it's about seven inches long mm -hmm. overall and it's about half handle and about half blade yeah. you know yeah. and uh, I don't take the scale off of it I just grind and leave it top the whole blade's not sanded, and I hand sand where I grind, and I use different handles on them. Uh, particular one we've got now has got Osage orange handles on it, and it's cut cross grain, which mm -hmm. is different. Nobody doing that, or I hadn't saw anybody that does that, and it's it's just a different little knife. And I put a turkey track on it because I brought them to Unicoi to sell to the turkey hunters. Yeah, and it's. Some of these blades I do etch and put a uh, stone wash finish on them, but not many. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the you said you make your own sheets. I too. make my own sheets. That's phenomenal leather work. I do. I mean that's. I do everything. I buy all raw products, and it comes out the door finished product. Yeah. So. Yeah. That I mean that's really pretty. The stamping on it, the coloration on it. That's, that's really pretty. And, and, and this call, you know, to me, you talked about the uniqueness of the handle being cut against the grain. It's it's cool. I mean, the, the handle it, on this knife, the grain on that wood's cool. It, it's it's different. It's it's cool. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And that being Osage, I mean, that's that ain't going anywhere. No, it's not going anywhere. And, and being cut cross grain, it has no lateral strength being cut cross grain but if you put it on a piece of steel you ain't going to break it right yeah it's That's not going to break it's not going anywhere yeah yeah uh, you're probably not going to be real surprised and you might even laugh at me when i picked it up i dang near cut my finger on it <laughs> <laughs> they're sharp they're real easy to stick your finger with uh -huh. that has got a real fine point on that it. thing right there is razor sharp help me out with knife sharpening so we've gone from making knives to talking about how we can maintain it and, and keep it that sharp 
Are you hand sharpening your knives when you get them to a point, or are you machine sharpening yours? When I get ready, the last thing I do is sharpen a knife. I've put my name on it, whatever I'm going to do, the last step is to sharpen it. And I sharpen it with a belt grinder, and I, I start off with a 400 grit belt and get it to where it rolls a burr. When you sharpen them on a belt grinder, you can see it rolls a burr up, a little wire edge. And then I go to a 30 micron, and then I've got a piece of leather on a board, and I strop it. It's got green rouge on it. It's like a jeweler's rouge. And that just takes the burr off and just polishes the edge up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And the secret to keeping a knife sharp is don't let it get dull. If you use it, take it home and strop it a few licks. Even even you can strop it on cardboard is better than doing nothing. Okay. So you don't have to have a the great big. Uh, Sharpening system. Right, it can right. be really simple. You Arkansas stones are fine to use, yeah. but a leather strop with some rouge on it works real well. It polishes the edge. Okay. All right. Yeah. You know, it seems like a lot of the a lot of the knives that I have personally, I'll use them to that point where they get so dull that they can't be sharpened without taking back down and you know grinding them again and. You know, running, putting them on a belt sander and starting over. Yeah, basically. So, you're what you're saying makes sense. I'm I'm bad on a knife. I mean, I'm I'm not very friendly. <laughs> yeah. The, the the trick in, in having a sharp knife is don't let it get dull. If you use it, sharpen it a little bit. Oh, uh, there's a lot of little diamond. Uh, sharpeners out there that's the size of a credit card and I I have one in my turkey hunting bag and what I did was I, I glued it to a thin piece of wood so it makes it more rigid and I'm not worried about bending it yeah and I keep it in my hunting bag yeah. so I've always got a sharpener with me for, whether I'm turkey hunting or what yeah it's small enough to where you can keep it with you yeah it's size of a credit card you put it right. it. it's got right in my bag i bought one of the bags from uh glenda mm -hmm. and uh, i'll slide it right in there and i've always got it yeah so if somebody wants to to look at some of your knives you have a facebook page that you point them to what what's the best way for them to see your your oh uh, I do post some on Facebook and some on Instagram. I don't post all my knives. Uh, I do have some in a store. It's Old Town Cutlery in Cumming, Georgia. Okay. Uh, but I do post some occasionally on Instagram. And I've always got knives at home. And uh, you can look me up on Facebook or on Instagram. And I'm starting to do Instagram a little bit different as soon as I figure out how to like not tag everybody and I'm not sure exactly what you call it but you know uh, uh, when you put a post on there you hashtag a whole bunch of stuff right. and then if you look up knife or bladesmith or knife makers guild or some of that stuff my name is going to pop up with that yeah yeah very good and then a phone number. If somebody wants to call you and, and so if you want to call me, feel free to call me. Yeah. Or hit me up on Facebook. Fantastic.
What's your phone number? 770-380-0774. Fantastic. Fantastic. And I have a feeling you'll even share a, a turkey hunting story with somebody if they call you. <laughs> yeah, you I'd, try, right mood. I'd try. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've killed a bird or two. Good deal. I ain't the one that's, that's went out there and slaughtered them every year, but I have had some fun doing it. Well, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And the fellowship in this group in here with all these custom call makers and you know we got that one thing in common we're not all call makers but whether you're on the buying side or the selling side of that table you're a turkey hunter we're tur so. well we are and it's 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 amazing that when i got into knife making uh there's people in knife making that can barely afford it to people that's got to, we got millionaire knife makers yeah and uh you know we got, we got a, a people that's doctors, lawyers, scientists, and they're all making knives because they love the art. Yeah, yeah. It's it's cool stuff, no doubt. And these little turkey pack knives that you have are awfully handy and very pretty. So you guys, you guys look Will up, give him a call, get one of these. I think you throw that in your turkey hunting bag and I seriously doubt you'll regret that purchase. So. Will, thank you. Appreciate your time. Appreciate you stepping away from the show. Wish you a lot of luck. And this coming season, chasing and killing turkeys. Thank you. And um, good luck with the knives as well. Thank you, Andy. All right. Fantastic. So, really cool guy. The knives where the steel is forged and he doesn't get all of that forge oh shoot what what do they call it um i forget what what he called it in the interview but he doesn't get polish all that forge off of those blades it creates a lot of character on those knives and huh. they're just so cool man i mean they're i'm, really, I'm looking really... at pictures of them now on his facebook and man they're pretty yeah got like a gobbler on the handle yeah the turkey track on the blade very cool yeah, cool stuff. So he's interesting, very interesting guy. And I like the story as to how he got into making knives. You know, it's a, a neat story. So after I met with him and interviewed him, went back inside the exhibition room, and I bet you there were three people left in the room. So that pretty well wrapped things up, but I was able to like i said early on connect with a lot of friends that i've made at unicoi over the years and just you know my friend brian lauder grabs me while i'm there i had brian on the on the podcast last year and we talked about crow calls you remember that awesome crow call i had last year yeah i got that from brian and so yeah. he pulls me aside and he said hey man i just i just want to say thank you and you know, for having me on the podcast, he said, you know, people were calling me up into the summer last year wanting to buy crow calls from me. And he said, I, I just appreciate that. He said, it, it just was nice of you. And he handed me a handmade deer call because he also makes deer calls. And so he and I stood outside the room and talked for 30 or 40 minutes about deer calling because I told him, I said, you know, I deer hunt for three reasons, and two of those reasons you could take and throw them in the trash because they're not real reasons. One of those being because we eat deer meat. Well, my dad and my brother hunt and kill deer. 
so I could get their deer meat because they don't eat deer meat. So you can take uh-huh. you can take that reason and throw that in the trash. Reason number two, it gets me out of the house and gets me into the woods. Well, I could squirrel hunt. I could fall turkey hunt out of state or go to some of these counties that have a fall season in Alabama. So there's plenty of other reasons to get out of the house and get in the woods other than deer hunting. So throw that reason in the trash. Reason number three, my dad does it and acts like he's never killed a deer or even seen a deer in his entire life. And as long as he's going to go, I'm going. So I said, you know, Brian, I know that you make deer calls. And if you could teach me just a little bit about calling deer and I can make deer hunting a little bit more like turkey hunting, maybe turkey hunting from a blind because I'm pretty well going to stay in the same spot. But if I could make deer hunting just a little bit more interesting, then I would appreciate that. So he sat outside with me, you know, this 30 or 40 minutes that we talked. And the vast majority of that time, he was teaching me how to call deer. And then the call that he took out there that he was playing, he said, now, I want you to have this call. And I said, no, I, I want to buy that call. And he said, no. I'm giving you this call. You cannot buy this call. It's not for sale, but you can have it. So when somebody tells you that, you take the call. You don't insult them and say, I'm not taking the call. So I'm reaching around. I'm going to have to step away from the microphone, but I'm going to grab this deer call. And I'm not going to play this thing because I have not run it yet. And I'm going to do him a disservice if I play it myself. But what I am going to do is play just a little clip of him playing the deer call This is not a deer call or a deer hunting show, but this thing sounds as much like a deer as anything I've ever heard. So we're going to play a little clip from it, but I'm going to reach around here and grab this thing and just kind of check it out again. So you guys listen in and we will see you here in about 45 seconds. This is my deer call and this is the grunt with a little hole and this is the bleat with a big hole. We're going to do everything through the little hole. Okay. Okay. And what I would do you ever seen a buck pushing a doe when he's doing them little short grunts? Mm-hmm. All right, so I would, this is what I would do. I would. And then she, because we're painting the pictures, what mm-hmm. we're doing, she would bleed at him and, and try to put, and everybody, almost everybody's dealt with females of some sort. Mm-hmm. And they're all the same. They are. Truthfully, they are. And it's that quit, leave me alone tone. Yeah. You know, that. Alright, then I'm gonna push her again. And then I'm gonna do a breeding gun. I'm gonna go. And I'm gonna stop. Every 10 or 15 minutes. So, again, that's just a testament to the quality of people at this show but also the quality of craftsmen at this show because the guy makes crow calls that are world champion crow calls the guy makes turkey calls that sound incredible the guy makes deer calls that i know are going to fool some deer and i'm going to give this one a try this weekend but i've got to practice some more by listening to brian's clip so anyway i just wanted to throw that out there a couple of guys were kind enough to throw some t-shirts my way. Carter Game Calls, Tommy Carter, gave me a t-shirt with a cool logo on it, man. I'll, I'll have to send you a picture of this thing, Cameron. It's, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, send it to me. 
And then my buddy Sean Irish, who I had on the show last year with Yeah Buddy Game Calls, Turkey Calls, gave me a, a Yeah Buddy shirt as well, which was awesome. And yeah, Sean, buddy. Yeah Buddy it is. Sean is also, you know, I had him on the show last year to talk about call collecting. And he was also on the panel for the oh, wow. Call Collectors Roundtable seminar that Mark put on. And uh, another guy that just has a heck of a collection and loves, eats, sleeps, and breathes this stuff, you know. So another person that'd be a good a good person for you guys to call if you got a call that you want information on. He's lives in the North Carolina area, but has a lot of North Carolina and Virginia turkey calls in his collection. And he knows a lot about the call makers in those areas. So somebody I recommend you guys call if you need some help with any of your calls that you identifying any of the calls that you have in your collection. So man, I have talked and talked and talked <laughs> and talked and I could keep talking about this and I think I'm on now. I don't think you've gotten fifteen words in the entire episode and I've it's about fifteen I minutes there. So so what am I gonna talk about? I'm just sitting here having a pity party that I missed it. I don't. Uh, all right. You you can't miss it next year. <laughs> Seriously. You cannot. I don't know how any of you can miss this. Brent Rogers, whom we've had on the show, longtime oh, listener, yeah. longtime friend of the show, all around great guy, drove from Iowa to wow. North Georgia. How cool. For this show. I know he had a big time. He had a great time. Corby Taylor, who used to have a podcast years ago, drove, or actually, I'm sorry, he flew from from Fort Worth, Texas, all the way to Atlanta, got a rental car, and drove to North Georgia for this show. This thing, you guys are missing a treat. I cannot even begin to tell you. I just, there's no way to explain it. I'm going to shut up about it because I can go on forever. Yeah. Well, just hearing the stories and, and how it just sounds like it's, you know, it's a big event, but it's also personal in a, in a way where you, you're having one-on-one conversations with these, you know, legends who are making calls and that's a turkey currently on the show with us. You bought a pen bird somewhere and then got it in your room with you. Uh, this thing has a role in it. I mean, it's just... I think you could play a feather on this call. It it takes nothing to play this perfect hen. It's ridiculous. That thing sounds incredible. Yeah. So it is. Awesome show. These. All right. I'm not going to do it again. I'm not going to keep talking about how <laughs> awesome this this show is. You know what? Don't buy one of Dan Harris's calls. The perfect hen. Don't buy that. Don't buy a Lamar Williams box call. Don't buy a Mark MacPhail slate. Don't buy an Anthony Ellis call. Don't buy anyone else's calls from Unicoi. Don't even go to Unicoi. You guys just stay at home. There. Just leave them all to Andy so he can call them up and miss them. There. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm I'm just tickled. <laughs> when I when I say this leads this starts the year out and gets you so just fired up and amped up for turkey season there's this is it man yeah well, it's right here on the horizon and you got a great show i'm jealous that you got to go i missed out but i am pumped for your calls i will be ordering a perfect 
call from Dan Harris, without a doubt. You better get it quick. I plan to. I need one in uh, less than 70 days. So. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, cool. So I want to throw the favor of the week out there. Come on with it. Probably a couple of favors of the week. Number one, if you guys have any need or want for a turkey call and you did not go to Unicoi this year, then I think you can probably contact Mark Sharp. And he's been on this show several times and given his phone number out. You can go to the to the Unicoi preview podcast that we did on this show. And Mark gives his phone number out there. Give Mark a call and just say, hey, I'm looking for a good pot and peg call. Who are three guys that you recommend that were Unicoi that I could buy from? Mm-hmm. Or... I'm looking for a good box call. Who are two or three guys from Unicoi that you recommend I call? Whatever kind of call, trumpet, wingbone, whatever it is, support those guys at Unicoi even if you did not make it to the show. And you can do that. These guys, a lot of these guys have long waiting lists, but there's a reason why. They make beautiful quality calls and yeah. support these guys, I'm telling you. So that's number one. Number two, the dates are already out for the 2023 Unicoi Turkey Call Maker Show. And I'm going to flip over on the calendar here and move the microphone around a little bit. I believe that it is January the 10th next year. But I, I will say this. 12th. What was that? If it's a Thursday, it's the 12th. Okay. Yep. You got it. The 12th and 13th. Well, if no, it's Friday, Saturday, no, it's the 13th and 14th of January, okay. okay, 2023. And you could also hit Mark Sharp up on Facebook and ask him for the dates to confirm that. But I am 90% sure I'm looking at the calendar now. I'm 90% sure it's the 13th and 14th. All right. It's on my calendar. There you go. Two favors. There you go. I like it. Wrap us up. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending to us. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.